0: Green signals from me, Nigel Harris, in a terribly grey and dank. The Scots call it dreech, don't they? Weather and from for the first time.
1: Yeah, Richard Bowker. Uh, it is a bit uh, grey and miserable here, but it is at least Wiltshire and not <laughs> Derbyshire. We
0: have moved, and I was very impressed at the speed with which you accomplished it all. Yeah, we a bit we like managed one, was it? all serene on the surface and furious activity <laughs> yeah. underneath it was where a have bit. you put that walk
1: <laughs> <laughs> was not a phrase that was used but there were some very similar to it no it it went well everybody's were still friends at the end but we were we were a bit jiggered but it was great to be in for for
0: christmas jolly good and was it a pleasant christmas in new year richard did it you was have plenty a, of sprouts
1: oh plenty of sprouts it, it was a lovely christmas in new year my um my cousin uh and um uh, his wife were, um, uh, were were over for Christmas, which was terrific. He's a he's a barrister, but he's also a um, bit of a bit of a closet rail enthusiast as well. All so, right. yeah, and uh, we had we had a great time actually. So, no, it was all it was all quite calm and and uh, all all yeah, it was terrific actually.
0: You, I, I yeah, it, yeah, it was fine. It was uh, it was very quiet. Um, I spent quite a few few days after Christmas catching up with stuff here. I had a sp- Splendid Christmas lunch with Steph and her family, of all people. That was very kind, so that was really good. Oh, feeling slightly Actually, left out It It was. It was, <laughs> it was really pleasant, and he had a, had a really good day. It's good to see her parents Excellent. again and her children. So that was really great. Thanks for Steph for that. And here we go with season two, Richard. You know, I've really missed – the one thing that was bad about
1: Christmas was that I missed doing this. And it was only for a week. (laughs) But isn't it terrible you think – you just get into a rhythm and and enjoying it so much. And a week was just kind of uh, a long time. So,
0: yeah. And um, in that time, of course, things have built up, which explains why we're doing things rather differently this year. So successful has the launch of Green Signals been, and we're so pleased with that. We're very touched with the response. Many supportive comments from so many listeners and watchers that we've decided to expand. And no, that's not just because of a an over-generous Christmas lunch either, though I'm sure that applies. The big interviews with our guests have proved extremely popular. But the trouble is, condensing so much fantastic material into the time we have, especially if we want to include some chat or blather about the week's events and news has proved pretty challenging. We don't want to compress the good stuff. We don't want the podcast to be too long. So we've pinched a format idea from another well-known and successful podcast mentioning no names. So I'll refer to it only as the rest is politics. Thanks Alistair and Rory and split the big interviews away from um, the other more magaziney style elements of the, of the show as a result, here is this week's interview-free magazine-style show, and we're looking forward to it immensely. We're going to cover, and there's plenty to cover, so take a deep breath. Among other things, the great Christmas getaway on the roads rail dispute, but rail disruption, can't even say it now, over the Christmas break. Richard's Monsal Trail pioneering video and an interesting fact about Dr. Beaching, storm damage, HSTs, more cuts for top budgets, New Year's honours, predicting what rail-hating Rishi might be coming up with this year, and a new feature, our weekly quiz, which is just a bit of fun, but you'll have to listen to the end for that. Of course, this means we'll be producing two shows for the price of one, So be sure to like and subscribe on your channel of choice. It helps us grow the channel and produce more stuff, but it also helps you to get instant notification when new episodes drop, and we do not want you to miss one. We had some fantastic comments, didn't we, Richard, over the festive break on um, stuff we've done up to now, Um, in particular about our listener questions Christmas special, which was a bit zoo podcast, but it, it worked quite well, and I think you seem to like it. Peter Wren said, That was great fun. The episode flew past. We agree. It was great fun to do. Alan Morton, one of our um, super listeners, said, Green Signals has been a great listen this year, covering topics in detail that others rarely mention, and making deep dives into various railway issues. I do like the expression, deep dives, Richard. It's good, isn't it? It is. Um, On the subject of the great sprout debate... Mark Townend said, I'm with Richard on this. I also love sprouts, the best part of the traditional Christmas meal, IMHO, along with the stuffing. No, it isn't, but you're entitled to your opinion. Um, I suppose that makes you very happy, Richard? Uh, Happy and and vindicated, I would say. Vindicated. (laughs) In praise of the bloody sprout. Yes, okay. Finally, my old friend Steve Marr, a director of the Lakeside and Haverthwaite Railway and owner of Fairburn Tank number 42085, message to say, Nigel, I'm already thoroughly enjoying the Green Signals podcast. It is terrific to get honest and factual information and analysis on the big railway issues in an easy to listen to format. So I hope it goes from strength to strength. Well, look, thanks, Steve. That's exactly, you've encapsulated there, what Richard and I are trying to do. So I look forward to seeing you again soon, maybe even on an LHR footplate. And yes, in case you were wondering, that is a hint. Um, and so to the news, Richard and I are going to bat these back and forth and just express our opinion, which we know you'll be dying to hear. Um, the great Christmas getaway just before Christmas, about a week beforehand, the RAC said there'd be 20 million car journeys up until Christmas Eve, about four days at that point, And that is up 20% on last year. Well, There's an argument that this signifies an increasing frustration of the public towards the railway because unreliable, late or non-existent services have a consequence. What say you, Mr. B? Yeah,
1: well, it it can't have helped, can it? I I think there's an interesting argument about cause and effect. So if if you look at car ownership and car journeys, they've kind of continued... To, to rise year on year you know um it's not just not just this year do you remember when we were in front of the transport select committee we were talking about um the impact of of car ownership and the change and i thought that was some absolutely extraordinary number like it'd gone from something like i'll probably get the numbers wrong now but it was something like 30 million cars on the road had become 40 million cars in about 15 years whatever it was so um did the railways cause the number to go up this year or has the number been going up and it's it, 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 what, what is it chicken and egg? I don't know, but tell you what, um, it was, it was a nightmare on the roads and the rail disruption kind of helped, can it?
0: No. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's, um, a stressful time to travel at the best of times, even if the trains run on time, if you're wondering whether they're going to turn up, whether they're going to get there, whether they're going to be stopped, whether you're going to be put on a bus, it's, um, the car looks like a pretty good option. It does. So um that leads us kind of neatly on, doesn't it, to um rail disruption over the winter break. As you just said, Richard, it kind of helped people's mood. Um I mean we we get the you know, I think people are used to um the Christmas engineering work. Um but it always makes me smile when people say they're used to something because <laughs> If somebody kicked your backside every five minutes, you'd get used to that after a bit, but you don't have to (laughs) like it, do you? No. Um, So there was the Christmas engineering, but then you get the wild cards thrown in, don't you? fleet and that awful flooding in both tunnels, which I still haven't heard an adequate explanation for. Have you?
1: No. Odd, wasn't it? Because it it looked like it was flowing through um, the passageway between the tunnels, so... That that was a bit weird, and then you sort of see stuff coming from the roof, stuff coming yeah. from the ground. Uh, this, this is a, a relatively new piece of infrastructure, so I, th- I mean, there will be an investigation, I and mean, it may be already have happened. We don't know. Uh, and in fairness to uh, you know the communication, uh, certainly from um, southeastern, was pretty good. I mean, Steve White's stuff was was very good. Well, but, but still, we need still. we need to know what happened there because that that was it, it just it just. It gave the media something to beat everybody over the head with, and that and that's just kind of it. Just felt a bit own goalie.
0: Well, there's never a good time to interdu- interrupt people's journeys to and from the continent, but no. Christmas is the worst, isn't it? Absolutely, um, interrupting family get-togethers and those dreadful scenes at St Pancras of it, just like a you know yeah. sea of faces of people. I mean, it must be. Very tense and angry. And you've got to feel sorry for the staff who do the best, don't you? Yeah.
1: I mean, if you've got, you know, for those who've got young kids, and I mean, that adds to the, to the sort of oh. stress of the whole experience as well. It wasn't just Fleet, Did you see that one? It was on the East Coast main line, I think. I think David Horn um, tweeted this one. And, be, I mean, they do social media very well. So their communications and explaining things is, is excellent. So this isn't, um, this isn't a go at that at all. But there was a, a section of flooding. So it was kind of a bit, a bit similar to the Ebb's fleet. thing. It's always water, isn't it? Which I think is a bit of a worry with, you know, sort of um, climate resilience and so on. But that's kind of a separate topic. The one on the East Coast main line was fascinating. So the, they, it was, it was – David's picture showed flooding water. It hadn't covered the railhead, but there was Not quite even a It
0: covered the sleepers in some cases, in some but it was it flowing slowly, wasn't it?
1: I couldn't really tell that from the photo. I mean, I know you you thought that, but um, let's say it was a bit. um, But the point was, it had caused the railway to to come to a a halt. And so having put that picture up, you know, awful lot of um, comment on it, some informed, some less informed, um, saying, well, hang on a minute. You know, in the old days, we'd have just kind of gone through that under caution. Then a number of, you know, the the, the water's not flowing fast and then a couple of other people saying yeah but you know we don't know what's around the corner it was on a bend you kind of um i had sympathy for both views actually yeah um i thought that was fair enough but it did make me think i just wonder whether it's not just a railway thing maybe this is a society thing i think we've become quite good at at, at finding reasons to stop doing things and, and giving this, up too early yeah and David, you know, and your team at East Coast, if you're listening, this is not a comment about that specific issue. It's a general one. And I think it is something that's worth looking at because it wasn't just that issue on East Coast. There were other places where it kind of, oh, it just sort of stopped and you kind of go, yeah, I think we've got to find ways to to keep it going if we can. And I'm sure people are doing that, but it just felt felt a bit kind of...
0: The railway tradition, the trains always got through, didn't they? Um, you know, keeping the line open was an absolute priority, whereas has risk aversion replaced risk management?
1: Possibly, but th- I think the other issue, and there's some of the comments that were made were about this, you know, post very, you know, tragic incidents like Carmont, where it maybe there's more that you can't see now, yeah. um, is a relevant factor. And the rule book's been, you know, modified accordingly and, 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 but... Uh, it does um, – I'm always reminded now, every time I see one of these things, of the point y- you picked up on that Andrew Haynes said after the the, the, the Paddington yes. uh, de-wirement debacle. Too many actors. Too many actors looking at risk from their own perspectives. I think that was a very insightful comment, and it is one where I think um, 2024 – we need to seriously consider a unified directing mind to actually take charge of, of, of many of these situations. But then that's, that's probably an, a whole debate in itself, isn't
0: it? Well, it is. Um, but I think you're quite right because there are too many actors with risk, acting with risk from their own point of view. That means that somebody, a human being, um, at some point in the organisation has to take the decision to go or no go or stop or not stop. And that's a very responsible thing to do. If you if you call it wrong and there's a a risk of it of the responsibility or the accountability for that ending up back on your desk, you're going to take the the safest option, aren't you? Whereas if there is a directing yep. mind saying we are going to do this um, on that subject, did you see? Uh, I think it was yesterday. He keeps cropping up in these programs, doesn't he? Graham Eccles put um, about a ten tweet thread. Uh, about how the railway should be reorganised um yeah. in, in in this year. And he also used the expression directed mind and there was a lot of real support for it on Twitter.
1: There no, I was I, I read that tweet and I went, yep. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> just yeah,
0: exactly as you go down. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You turn into the equivalent yeah. of one of those nodding dogs in the back it of the car. Don't you, it just was a nodding bit nodding at it. But yeah. I mean Graham's just brilliant. He absolutely yeah. called it and um let us hope. I was going to say that uh, Sunak and Merriman ought to be reading. Maybe we ought to make sure that Louis, Louise Haig sees it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, good point. Because, um, well, because, because, because. One last point. I absolutely agree with your comment about LNER's social media. They have got a very good social media operation. Um but david in particular without shooting too much sunshine up his rear end is absolutely brilliant in these circumstances yeah. he always tweets personally uh, in addition to the uh, the railway's own Um, social media operation and he just continues to lead from the front I smiled I think a week before that on his way home there's a picture of him he was keeping his hand in by serving in the tea bar yeah I
1: saw that that was nice that was good
0: Um, you know and that's real leading from the front and people have got time for that and they respect it so well done David keep it up keep it up but yes I think the days for a guiding mind have gone and it does need a directing mind now somebody to really take charge and 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 make a decision on behalf of everybody so we don't get this disparate mess as we had at Paddington that day so your pioneering little video at monsildale and I never thought I'd say this on a Green Signals podcast complete with heavy breathing um, went, (laughs) went down extremely well Uh, with lots of good views and some great comments. You were very lucky. Well, you know you weren't very lucky. You chose a good day to go and do it with all that sun and frost.
1: I think the day kind of, I think the day chose me really. And I woke up we'd had a really grim couple of days and it was so beautiful. I thought, right, I've just got to do it. And I went out. Uh, I'm sorry for the heavy breathing. You're you're right. It was, but flipping ec- it was ec-
0: a steep path
1: well it was that was a steep path it was also really really cold i mean baltic i believe is the expression but it probably was um we did get some great comments actually and i was, it was um and they're really nice because you know you learn from stuff and we'll you know there were some really good constructive comments as well so thank you for those but one that really caught my eye was a guy and um, uh, i think on youtube said do you realize that Beeching never actually included that line on the list of closures in his in his famous report, The Reshaping of British Railways? I thought, oh, better go and have a look. Uh, I didn't doubt him, but I was, you know, a bit surprised. Went and had a look, and sure enough, he was absolutely right. Um, it was not uh, slated for closure, although the local service was. But really interestingly... Um, there was a second Beechwing report, you'll recall, in 65. It was the one that talked about liner trains and stuff like that. And
0: merry-go-rounds.
1: And merry-go-rounds, yeah. And in that report, he actually uses railways across the Pennines and across the peak as an example of focusing on upgrading some lines and not on others. And it's in that particular example. It's there, uh, the Peak Forest line he refers to it as. And sure enough, it's not slated for closure in that either. Um, and in fact, there's some maps in that second report that predict what the network's going to look like in 1984. And it's still there. So it's really interesting. It, it, it was exactly as the guy said. It wasn't slated for closure. Barbara Castle, Labour Secretary of State, um, closed it anyway. So there you go. Um, he
0: didn't list Woodhead for closure either, did
1: he? No, more. Wor- well, I say worse. Opposite to that, in his example of trans-Pennine routes for freight, it was Woodhead that he singled out for where the investment should go with the upgrade. Now, of course, what he wouldn't know was that, same merry-go-round traffic in 1981 would, would or 1989 would just disappear, right, and literally uh, remove the, the real reason for the, for, for the line's survival. But he didn't know that in 1965. So it, absolutely fascinating. I've bought the report. <laughs> I've got a copy winging its way to me. I'm going to have a good look, actually, and see if There's other other little things there that I never knew.
0: Nuggets. Well, of course, he didn't. Um, he proposed Blackpool North line for closure and the retention of Blackpool Central. And the terminus there was literally right on the front, no, perfectly cited. No. Um, Barry McLaughlin, former editor of Steam World, wrote a lovely little book about it because um, there's no easy way to say this. It was sort of blamed on local authority corruption, really. Um, that they wanted the land for a coach park and the the route out to Blackpool South and beyond for the M fifty five Link Road, um, and went ahead and did that, even though Blackpool North is far less well placed um, for the sort of uh, sort of the, the holiday traffic. Um, let me an interesting little factoid about the um, the Woodhead route: Richard Gibbon. The former chief mechanical engineer at the uh, the National Railway Museum, because they got one of the locomotives in there, haven't they? Um, yeah, yeah. In BR Black, and he told me because it was fifty 1,500 volts DC with regen yeah. regen braking. Yeah. He said somewhere in the control room, there was a big dial with a um, a needle and with an arrowhead top on it that recorded whether the power was being used and the the, the balance between power being consumed. Um, and the power being put back into the line by the regen braking. He said there were occasions where the needle was absolutely on the zero, that the trains using power going up one side, the power's being replaced by the regen braking, and one's going down the other.
1: You do, re- do realise, don't you, in, in, in explaining that, um, my phone and your phone as well has just gone absolutely berserk. With the sound of tweets of people going, there you go, criminal act, absolute disgraceful, shouldn't have done it, you know. So, so thanks for that. That's um,
0: (laughs) because it's a railway; and it should be. Yeah, but that was the whole point. It was because it was fifteen hundred volts DC, wasn't it? Um, And it was a non-standard system. Yeah, but
1: they could have changed that. I guess in the end, it was the 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 traffic. The eighties were different, and the traffic had gone. But anyway.
0: I, I, I think we should move. I think we should move swiftly on from this controversial <laughs> comment. That the overhead we know was good, you because some of it is still in use, isn't it? Round right the Piccadilly end, cross uh, over the track? I think probably
1: a question for an OLA uh, OHLE expert, but I believe um, you're right. I believe you're right
0: on the line up to Glossop. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. It's just a, it's just a thought, but yes, the uh, the Twitter arty will be will be out in force. But there oh, yeah. you go. Um, on the subject of successful videos oh yes um, yes our Peter Townend tribute has been something of a gobsmacker um, when I suggested it in the first place I I, th- I thought that you and Steph might regard it as a bit of an indulgence um, but he was worth it was worth paying tribute to because it has turned into the most successful of our videos this morning I checked on YouTube four 1,300 views, which is straight ahead of anything else. So we'd definitely be doing more. So your job, Richard, as our resident tech expert is to figure out what it was that caught YouTube's algorithm's eye (laughs) so we can do lots more of it in other videos.
1: That's fair enough. Uh, Madeline, my uh, highly uh, supportive wife, did point out that um, uh, it was quite curious, she said with a twinkle in her eye that by far our most successful video was the one that i had absolutely nothing to do with well. which i thought which i thought was a little bit harsh but but i mean factually correct but, but a little bit harsh
0: i've always thought madeline was a fine woman
1: yeah well it, that that was a slightly tense moment it has to be said so, I think we should move swiftly on from that.
0: <laughs> I think we will. So, thank you for all your comments and support for the town and video. And we will. And Peter would have been chuffed a bit, though so he, he would, would never have admitted yeah, it. I he think. would. He'd have been very self deprecating about it, um, whilst being quite pleased that it was another, exam- another way of getting the Gresley message to people <laughs> being fully exploited. Yeah. Um, on a more serious note, storm damage and high speed trains. There was lousy weather across Scotland, Northern England, Wales, all along the south coast. The railway got a real battering, which it gets a lot of these days. And of course, in Scotland, a tree blew across the track, and one of the Inter 7 City HSTs ran into it uh, at Brufty Ferry. Thank God the driver was okay. Um, a friend of mine, <coughs> excuse me, a driving friend from Scotland, um. I asked him, I said, did he see it coming and manage to get back into the engine room? He said he saw it coming and got down behind the seat. Right. Um, yeah. And um, But even there, there was. I saw some pictures of the cab, and it, it would not have been fun down no, behind messy. the seat either. It was,
1: it was messy, wasn't it?
0: It, it absolutely was. Um, but, of course, it set off a little Twitter swell, a major Twitter swell. Oh, a major HSTs. one. HSTs.
1: I mean, lots of. You know, as is always the case with these things, some sensible comments, some slightly hysterical ones. I think the best thread I saw was from a driver, actually. Yes, who was I a saw that. Who, very objective. Well, it was it was objective. He didn't actually say what he thought the answer was. He, it was it was much cleverer than that. Actually, he said it's actually very very difficult because you've got all these competing issues. You know, on the one hand this, on the one hand that. And he wasn't trying to be clever. He was just kind of explaining why it was actually quite. But it quite was complicated. a good analysis. It Was very good analysis. I mean, I I think. The bottom line of it is, I mean, these are properly old trains. I mean, in 19, what is was it, 1976? So it's an early 70s design. They were fantastic. Thick
0: end of, thick end of 50 years old. Yeah,
1: yeah. They I mean, were fantastic in their day, and we, we all love them. Um, but I don't think there's any place on the railway for them now. Well, the problem is um, mm. that Scotland need them, right? And, and it, it, for me, it, it comes back to the fact that we still don't have um, a coherent – rolling stock strategy strategy which includes cascading fleets and all that kind of stuff you know you see stories about derby in trouble the the uh, you know alstom's factory there hitachi having to write down the value of their uh new factory in uh, in the northeast um it rolling stock is just one area where we've just not got it right at all there is no plan
0: no and, and interestingly and slightly ironically. Um, it is a fact that the HSTs are in Scotland because of an effective cascade. Um, they've yeah. been done with elsewhere, and um, and there's 25 sets, which is part of the problem. It's not possible to just withdraw them at a stroke, replace no. them at a stroke, which raises some other interesting questions about what do you do to mitigate the risk in the meantime? Um, because, um, as we know, in, in, in aviation, we've talked about this before, they've got stuff like TCAS, um, which means that aeroplanes, planes. Um, Do
1: you just say aeroplane? <laughs> you did. You did. Just you did.
0: I did, and you right. reacting to it means that you now can't edit it out. So oh, oh, why,
1: why would we want to? That was just too good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll just move swiftly on. Aye. Um They've got um, TCAS and other devices that make sure that they don't. I nearly said it again. Then that they don't fly into each other or the ground. Mm. Um, and I kind of think that's a big issue. We shouldn't. We should be making sure that trains don't hit anything. Um, and one of the big things on this, of course, is line side vegetation. Um, slightly, uh, I say funny. There's nothing funny about this, but the reply was witty. Um, when I saw the news of this, I. I um, DM David Horn directly, the managing director of LNER, to say, "David, was that tree between the lineside fences?" He said, "Well, it certainly was after it had fallen down." <laughs> uh, which, yeah, which was, but you know, so there's there's issues over trees that are outside the boundary fence, but we certainly should get rid of them within. Yeah, uh, and I believe there are procedures for compelling landlords to uh, have trees lopped outside the boundary fence.
1: but well, I mean, um, whole system safety, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's it is a system, so. It's not just one element of the system that needs to, to be safe. It is whole system. Because d- if it
0: hadn't been in that tree, we wouldn't even be talking about this. No, no. Um, And so there's, the, the, there's issues there which are certainly relevant um, in the time it's going to take to replace that, 20, those 20, that fleet of 25, which yeah. is qu- going to take quite some years. Now, after the terrible Carmont um, fatality of, what, three and a bit years ago now, um, that was when Network Rail Scotland acquired its own survey helicopter, um, which is based at Cumbernauld and, and does fantastic work, um, particularly after and even during bad weather, keeping an eye on the network. So that showed that the ScotRail does respond to things. really. And, then,
1: and do, am I right that they've got meteorologists now as well, actually? Yes. Well, yeah, so that's that in a, in a world of increasing um, challenges with climate resilience. That's got to be a good thing.
0: That's post-Carmont as well. Right. Um, they do. They're. I think they're the only people on the railway that employ their own meteorologists rather mm. than rely on the Met Centre and all that sort of thing. Okay. So they've responded to Carmont to mitigate risk, and clearly something needs need to do with regard to, to the HSTs. It does. There was, um, again, a Scotrail driver friend of mine sent me a, a, a screen grab of a local text where a lady said her daughter lives next to the railway at the point that happened. Um, saw the tree come down and rang the emergency contr- emergency number, and yet ten minutes passed, and then the HST ran into it. Oh, Incred. Now, if there's something needs investigating there, that if all traffic isn't brought to a halt less than ten minutes after an emergency call, see again, that's the other thing. So, if there's no trees, and that we wouldn't even be talking about fiberglass cabs, because the important thing is stopping the trains hitting things, and there's clearly work to be done. In mitigating for the period that um, that the HSTs will be still with us, it's a shame in some ways because the, the Mark Threes are a fantastic environment and product for the passenger. So they were suggesting, there were suggestions should the Class sixty eight be used or sixty um, sevens or whatever, but you then run into problems about how do you do it? Do at each end with you have to run them round or? Do we need to find some DVTs? Is there a role for some of the Mark Ford? I just don't know. But yeah. I would hope that somebody in the railway is is doing what you and I are doing and saying, well, look, let's mm. have a brainstorm about what can we do in terms of mitigation. What are the prospects with regard to um, replacement stock or anything else? Because it needs doing. It's
1: a 1970s train. We need to do something about it.
0: It, it absolutely is. Um, but the idea we haven't got a rolling stock strategy is just disgraceful. And again, another role for the directing mind, Richard, isn't it? Directing Absolutely. Somebody, Absolutely. Directing somebody to come up with a rolling stock plan. Yeah. Um, but all, of course, we hear about moving on is cuts, cuts, cuts. Um, I dare say you saw the FT piece.
1: I did. Um, and just for those who uh, aren't across this one, there's a piece in the FT uh, over the, over the break period talking about ministers, uh, instructing um, uh, talks through the DFT, obviously, to look at further cuts in their budgets. I think there's a view more can be done. Um, cuts are not the same as efficiencies, right? Oh no, um, efficiencies is doing the same thing or doing what you're doing, but doing it better, smarter, cheaper, all the rest of it. Cuts are stopping doing stuff, um, and I and it worries us that um, we're looking at, at cuts. I I think this harks back to the you know the whole ticket office um, fiasco. Um, yes, there was a stay of execution. That's not the same as as the problem gone away. And actually, the problem does still need addressing. Let's be honest. It, w- on this show, we weren't saying that you should never shut any ticket office. No. What we're saying was you need to do fares reform first and then Absolutely. work out how best to um, deliver the product to the customer because it has changed in twenty, thirty years. We're not, we don't deny that. Just they just they got it the wrong way around. But that hasn't... Gone away as a as an issue, so the cost of the you know the savings savings got to come from somewhere and I just think it's it's almost it, it, it's it's back to this point about the p n l you know there's nothing wrong with uh being a cost effective industry and really zeroing in on your costs right Have every,
0: everything right about it
1: well every successful business does that i mean if Sir Michael O'Leary was here talking about Ryanair i mean there's very few but, you know, my, my, my brother um, uh, flies for, for Ryanair and he, you know, they are incredibly uh, focused on cost. But because he's got a unified P&L, he's also incredibly focused on growing revenue and getting more bums on seats and all the rest of it.
0: Very so, aggressive and successfully so in growing revenues.
1: Indeed. So when, you know, when are we going to get our P&L back in the same place? Because you can't run a successful business without doing that.
0: And at the minute, you know, the DFT is responsible for costs, so they just say, no, 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 spending any more, regardless of the fact that it, um, it could well be an investment. I mentioned once before, I know one talk MD who left the railway because he was just weary with it. He'd suggested a scheme that could raise £3 million, but had a million quid for the cost. And as soon as the DFT heard that, they just said no. Uh, Even not- the Secretary of State, when I talked to him about it, said that was a no-brainer. The most depressing thing is he hasn't changed it.
1: Same Secretary of State who at the Bradshaw lecture Correct. last year said, you know, we now need to allow the TOC MDs to manage and, and you know, and, and direct. And, and, direct. and it's, it's not happened. If anything, it's gone the other way. So it's almost as if there's elements of this government going out, almost like going out of the way to hurt rail. And for what reason? I don't know. I mean, you hear about this war on motorists. If that Ugh. one drives me absolutely around the bend, war on motorists, giving it a break. You know, these are most protected species of the last sort of 30, 40 years, and they war on motorists. Um, well,
0: they there's been no increase in, in fuel duty for 10 years, and that's billions of pounds yeah. given to motorists yeah. at a period where over every one of those 10 years has been at yeah. least a 5% increase in yeah. rail fares.
1: And by the way, just so if anybody's listening, thinking, oh, they're just a bunch of train spotters, it's not that. The, the railway is vitally important to the economy in this country, vitally important to our entire sort of socioeconomic Infrastructure, if you like. And and it has an important role to play. We're not saying it's more important than anything else, but it has an important role to play. And this notion that it's kind of car, 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 car just just drives you around the bend.
0: I and mean so we'll, what you like about Boris. Boris was very understood that and very pro-Rail.
1: Uh yeah. <laughs>
0: <Very> Gosh, <well. laughs> that
1: really opened the gate, didn't it? Yeah. But Look, I, I mean, will Labour be any different? Will it be any better? Um, well, we don't know yet, really. But I mean, I, honestly, I, I might regret saying this in terms of a comment, but it can't be any worse.
0: Well, it can be as bad. I mean, I, I'm not encouraged by that. It's not that long ago that Starmer was saying we will build HS2 and NPR in full. Uh, once the government did the worst on that, he said nothing because he, he's like pocketing the saving, I suppose. There's no commitment from them. So no. I, I'm not optimistic <laughs> at all.
1: I, I don't want to sound like an apologist, but I, I mean, I suppose if I were the Labour Party at the moment, I'm not sure I would be saying exactly what I was going to do. yet. Where, where's the real um, benefit for them in doing that? And so they may they may surprise us. I hope they do. Um I hope they do, but as I say, it, it, can't, it can't get any worse than this.
0: And it's not helped by the fact that um, – was that your phone went off then?
1: It certainly was not. But that, <laughs> that's the beauty of a live show, right? That's the beauty of a live show, isn't it? It's, I'll just uh, check
0: whether it was mine. Oh, <laughs> it would look like it's mine. Oh, oh, was no, it really? No. Was it yours? No, 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 no. It's still switched off. It's still oh, right. switched okay. off so, yeah. from, from, uh, from, from earlier. Right. Um, interesting. I, I just one thought that occurred to me en passant. Uh, a few minutes ago was when we talked about cuts. Do you remember Graham Eccles when he did the show for us? He said he could do what he wanted as a very senior BR manager, providing he made the 3% savings every year that he yep. had to make. Yep. So this is it's nothing new, I suppose, um, in that no, respect. But, but he could also,
1: you know, he also had uh, the PNL was unified. Right? Exactly. And, that, and so, that's what's changed.
0: Um, but I think you're right about somebody going out the way to harm rail. I think you said in our HS2 Myths programme um, about the fact that there was a whiff of spite about Sunak's desire to sell off the land as quickly as possible to stop anybody reversing his decision. Um, and clearly, among number 10 advisors, there is a real anti-rail feel, which Sunak has been stupid enough to, to buy into. And once he buys into it, then the rest of his cabinet are not going to take him on about it and argue, are they? They're just going to fall in.
1: Come on, give us some positive news. We need some positive news.
0: Um, Okay, there is a bit of positive news. And (laughs) it's it's very important. Some people might think this is minor, but I don't. I think it's really important. The honours list comes in for a real load of stick. And you know when you see the sort of people being handed life peerages and knighthoods and all the rest of it... Um, it does drag it into disrepute, but there's always a number of railway gongs in the honours list, and they generally, they don't go to MDs and bosses and chairmen, and they tend to go to frontline staff, to gate line staff, and team yeah. collectors, and guards, and, and all the rest of it. Um, and there's, there's a couple of them, I think, caught your eye, wasn't there?
1: There were, actually, because I agree with you. I mean, um, that the, of late, they have gone to the, the people on the frontline, which is fantastic two caught my eye there were quite a few more and we'll probably put the list of of everybody because everybody deserves a a mention on on our website but the two that caught my eye were um rizwan javed who has been awarded an mbe um he did uh he's a stations um he's part of the stations team i think he's on the elizabeth line at the moment he wasn't great western railway um but he did um he was on a samaritans course a few years ago he's become very uh, he's very good at, at noticing people in distress and with issues um uh, and um the bbc story i read said um you know the sort of citation suggested anything around 29 30 people that he'd helped and possibly you know saved from um from committing suicide or at least attempting it so fabulous fabulous um uh story there and uh good for him that's that's exactly what um, the honour systems for. So well, well done, done Rizwan. Rizwan. Indeed. The other one that caught my eye was Edward Album. Now, I know Edward quite well. I've known him for a number of years. Edward got um, an OBE. Um, now, Edward is 87 now. But he us reti- hear it for Edward. He only retired as a solicitor last year. This is a this is a proper hardworking guy. But he's been a tireless campaigner for the Settle Carlisle Railway. Um, he founded the Settle Carlisle Trust. Uh, he um, was uh, the, he led the London end of the campaign to keep the line uh, open in the 1980s, and together with a guy called Tony Fraschini, who was the uh, former BR engineer who really showed up the costs of Ribblehead as uh, Ribblehead viaduct repairs as being wildly uh, excessive uh, as uh, in terms of what BR said they were going to cost. Those two probably did more than any any one else to to save the railway, and Edward has just, I mean, he's just extraordinary. He was, um, he sat at the Settle Carlisle uh, Railway Trust. They've restored all the stations. I mean, it's <clears> phenomenal <throat> what he's done. He's utterly tireless, doesn't seek any recognition for it, but jolly well-deserved, and I'm delighted for him.
0: Absolutely. Sort of real people doing real work of real value. Yeah. Uh, which is, you can't say a lot about that, some government ministers, can you? Um Yeah, well done. Um, And we all thought it was all down to Michael Portillo.
1: Well, (laughs) I I suspect, I mean, in the end, a minister has to make a decision, and he obviously made the right one. Um, But I rather wonder whether, had it not been for the campaign of people like Edward and Tony and, and others, if it had just been down to BR's recommendation, whether or not a minister would have gone would have done anything other than just simply rubber stamp Sign that I, off, we, we we'll yeah. never know, will we? But um, so we're probably being a bit unfair on 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 Mr. Portillo. <laughs> but there is no doubt that Tony and Edward, and Edward in his tireless campaigning, um, take in my view take the uh, the lion's share of the credit.
0: Well, that's the the key message there, isn't it? Put government in a position where they can't do anything other than the right thing, without, look- without looking stupid, correct? Um, which is the message for. The land sales and, and phase two A of H S two isn't it just relentlessly going on about that? And there's plenty of others, as you said. We'll put them in the additional resources yeah. section on the blog on the website, so we can doff our cap to each and every one who's got a gong. Um, it's been Christmas, hasn't it? You know, um, pantomimes, pantomime villains takes us neatly round to rail hating Rishi's neck taxed of cruelty, whatever that may be. Uh, because there is now no doubt he has got a real downer on the railway, hasn't he? Um, I've even heard it said he'd like to cancel phase one of HS2 as he, if he can, and that he still seems to have his beady eye on turning, I don't know, Euston into a couple of platforms and a bus shelter if he can.
1: Well, he's almost going. The, the best way to go about really hurting Euston is probably the one that he's doing, actually, which is this sort of private sector partnership um this sort of uh urban regeneration i think it's a railway station guys it's a railway yes. station right and we know that these get more complex and more expensive when you start doing you know rights and building on top of them all the rest of it so please just focus on getting a what, decent what, station a decent station and if you have a decent station like we got at king's cross and a decent station like we got at st pancras guess what the development happens the around the
0: about thing about it is richard a helicopter view normally gives you perspective, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> well, he spends an awful lot of time up in one, well, that, that's for sure. Actually, that's you know my what? point. Uh, no, okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, though, um, that gives me an idea. I don't know whether this, you can even do this. I mean, it must be a matter of public record um, how many times he uses a helicopter oh, yeah. um, You know, to go from, um, 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 well, places about 10 miles apart. Um, So presumably, if we can find that out, somebody smart can work out just how many tons of CO2 uh, he would have saved had he actually gone by train.
0: Indeed. So if there's any green signals out there, who can do that sort of thing. We can do our bit to try and find out how many times he's gone by a whirlybird rather than by train. Um, And let's create a stick to beat him enthusiastically with if we possibly can.
1: I mean, back to your. I completely agree. That would be terrific. Back to your point about what's he going to do next. I mean, we don't obviously, we don't, we don't know. Um, I always try and see the other side of arguments because uh, because sometimes if you do that, you can you, you realize that the the side you were first on was 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 right after all. But if you want to look at try and look at the other side of the argument, you could say, well, you know, when he was at the Treasury obviously, during the pandemic, the railway cost an absolute fortune to support. And that's true. But that's not the railway's fault, right? That wasn't because the railway suddenly did something spectacularly wrong. No. Um, it was part of um, a wider sort of public health strategy. So uh, I'm sorry, that that's not an excuse. It It is almost as if these advisors, as you say, I mean, people talk about the Tufton Street cabal and all the rest of it. I mean, whatever it is. I I mean, I don't know what degrees they've got or in what subjects they're in or what things they've ever actually run in their lives. I suspect not very much at all. But they simply do not understand um, the importance of the railway to this country's infrastructure, society, growth, and all the rest of it. And um, I fear where the the next thing is coming from.
0: Peter Hendy always describes the railways role really well, doesn't he, about the economy and houses and jobs and taking people back and forth to where they want to go, but they just don't get it. Uh, and I don't think they want to. He just sees it as a cost, and you're right. During the pandemic, it was, what, 800, 000, 800 million per month about was uh, was going on the railway, and they're just, I think, doing the best to claw it back. They regard it as some sort of grant that was made because of the railway's stupidity. No, they crashed the economy Um for a public health reason and you know all those contracts evaporated overnight you know and in march 2020 the railways were effectively nationalized though the mainstream media and a lot of railway critics don't seem to have conned on to that yet no oh so we'll just have to wait and see and blaze away at him when he does his next stupid thing
1: indeed so Okay, so uh, finally then, our, our quiz. Um, we mentioned this at um, uh, at the beginning of the show. Um, and uh, we thought it'd be fun, just that each week we'd pose a, a simple question. Uh, might be topical, might be controversial, might be historical, who knows? Um, but the first person to send us the correct answer, um, either by a YouTube comment or on Twitter, Hopefully, we'll be able to time these things so we can see who was first. We'll, we'll have a look at that. If it doesn't quite work, we'll, 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 we'll do it a bit differently. Who knows if it proves popular? Maybe we'll even have um, a prize. But the, for now, the first person, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll give them a shout-out on next week's show. So, so here's this week's question. <clears throat> the London and North Western Railway branch line from Greenfield to Delft closed in 1955 to passengers and 1963 to freight by what nickname was it known so that's your question um first reply gets a shout out greenfield's a bit local
0: for um we know it rich is that old and way
1: yeah so I've, i lived in um, upper mill um okay. for a while which is just just down the road from greenfield so yeah it's um sort of uh, first first part of saddleworth really
0: very nice. Well, we'll see if we get any answers. Indeed. Okay. And that's about all we've got time for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this new magazine show. Um, our big interview episode this week is all about freight. And we were very lucky to have not one but two titans of the – titans, that's a good word, Richard. It is a good word, that I like that, yeah. Titans of the rail freight world. And I think they both quite like being called titans, even if they sort of poo-pooed it. Two titans, I'm saying it again, of the rail freight world on the show. Maggie Simpson, director of the Rail Freight Group. And John Smith, managing director of GB Rail Freight. And it's a complete riot, as one would expect, especially when John Smith gets anywhere near a microphone with his cans of Diet Coke and his phone going off and banging the table and goodness knows what else. But that's John all over. He was a fantastic interviewee, as was Maggie. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up or subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes are available. And as we do more and more, that's the best way to ensure you never miss anything new. And we do not want you to miss anything new. So, till next time, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Harris in Lincolnshire, and... And goodbye from
1: me, Richard Bowker, now in Wiltshire.
0: Exactly. Bye for now.